0: Welcome to Why I Built This, the show where founders share the stories behind why they built the organizations they built. I'm your host, Mary Elizabeth Lemmer, and on this show I talk to nonprofit founders, to tech company founders, and even the owner of your favorite local business. You'll get to hear the real stories behind the initial inspiration, the burning desires, the touching stories that lit the initial spark and keep the fire burning for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. On today's episode of Why I Built This, we are excited to get to know Erin and the story behind why she started Sundara, a nonprofit that empowers women and children through better hygiene and health care. Welcome to the show, Erin.
1: Hi, Mary. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here with you today.
0: Thanks for being here. Well, we're going to kick off and ask you why did you start Sundara what motivated you we'd love to hear a bit more about your story
1: yeah of course So as you mentioned, Sundar is an organization that our mission is really to prevent hygiene-related deaths and disease in the developing world. Um, And how we do that is we recycle hotel bar soap. So I know that most of you have been to a hotel, and you stay there, and there's a bar of soap, and you unwrap it, you wash your hands with it, maybe use it in the shower, and the next day, there's a brand new bar of soap that you also have to unwrap. and you probably have thought, what happened to the old bar of soap? So you don't have to wonder that anymore because it usually is thrown out in the trash. Um, A lot of people have told me, yeah, I thought about that, I didn't know what happened. Um, But I think most people just move on with their life and it's it's something that's really small. Um, And for me, I never really thought about soap until I was 23 and after I went to university, I moved to Thailand and I was working with children who were victims of child sex trafficking. And we would go into schools and go into homes and we would interview children and find out how at risk they were um, for being trafficked. And I noticed that uh, every time I'd see a bathroom, there was never a bar of soap. And at the same time, I would have a big purse and, you know, have a giant bottle of Purell inside. And um, so I was fine. But I was always wondering, what are these kids doing? And um, one day I kind of got frustrated because my bottle of Purell ran out. And so I grabbed a bunch of these kids and I said, these kids are like 11, 12, 13. And I just shouted at them, where's your soap? And they were kind of dumbfounded. And I was wondering, am I using the wrong word for soap? Uh, But I wasn't. I checked with my translator. And so together we drove to the town next door and we bought out their supply of soap. And we brought it back and these children um, opened the bars of soap and they were just scratching at it, you know, smacking it uh, on their heads. One boy tried to eat it and it was the most bizarre moment for me, but also a real um, enlightening moment that I had lived my entire life uh, not thinking about something that was, Uh, I took it for granted. I lived my whole life with something that these people had lived their entire life without. And it was something as basic and universal as soap. Um, So I realized that I had won the birth lottery and they had lost it. And it was just because of where we were lucky or unlucky enough to be born. And so that one moment really put me on this path of trying to figure out how can we... um, reduce the excess soap waste and increase access um for people in developing countries that often don't have access to basic hygiene supplies like soap
0: wow and how long ago was that
1: yeah that was about four years ago um, that i saw that incident um and at the same time i should give you some backstory which is that you know, a lot of people are like, oh, so what, they'll have dirty hands. But one thing that I always tell people is that in a lot of developing countries, children are dying of things like diarrhea and pneumonia. Um, Two million children a year die of preventable diseases. But do you know anyone who's ever died of diarrhea or pneumonia? I've had both of them like multiple, multiple times. Um, But it's something that people don't die of. So To know that there's something that people are dying of which is totally preventable and is simple and low cost, that's something that I feel really strongly about. Like that the solution already exists and that it's so simple. Um, And so if there's an easy way to prevent death and to prevent sickness, um, why shouldn't we do it? Kind of what I think. So yeah, I've been doing this for the past four years. And um, we initially started our work In India and today we have operations in India, Myanmar, and Uganda.
0: Wow, Um, that's a that's an incredible story and I think one of the things that has resonated with me uh, in hearing your story over the years of knowing you is that when you illustrate it that way have have you ever known anyone that has died of, of diarrhea or pneumonia and you it's no i can't think of anyone right because it's those are things that are incredibly treatable here and to experience that seems like a very profound it had a very profound impact on your life and inspired you to make this huge commitment um in your life and how you spend your time and i imagine that that's like a you've had some chat like there's been challenges right it's not a it yeah. sounds like you travel a lot there's a lot of things and hard things to see as you pursue this mission to solve that problem what has helped you get through some of those challenges maybe you can share with us a bit more about what has kept you pursuing this journey over the course of the past few years
1: yeah of course um there have been so many challenges and i think there's this saying that if you knew how hard something was going to be probably never would have started and i think that's very much true of (laughs) starting your own nonprofit or your own business, um, you always envision there will be a few challenges, but you never think that there will be these moments where you're doubting the whole thing and on the brink of quitting. And I really think the only thing that differentiates the people that quote unquote make it from the people that don't is just their inability to give up and that they keep trying throughout the failures, however big they might be. So yeah, my failures have been professional, they've been personal, Um, everything that could fall apart did fall apart. Uh, What keeps me going though is the, um, it's actually the women who we work with. So I initially started this because I really cared about children and children's health. Um, But what's kept me motivated is the women that we work with. we, we now employ 27 women. Um, a lot of them are single mothers, are victims of domestic violence, are disabled widows. Uh, and I know here in the U.S. we're making 78 cents to the dollar, and it's certainly not perfect when we're talking about gender equality. Um, but in these countries they face, you know, forced child marriage, um, like very high rates of domestic abuse. Um, You know, sometimes being trafficked um, for sex, these women are facing issues that are incomparable to any of the struggles that I've faced in my life. Um, And I've seen that time and time again when you give a woman a job and confidence, uh, she takes that and she invest in her family she sends her kids to school she buys healthy food she takes care of ailing parents um and that's something that we didn't even have to teach these women that they do themselves and i realized how much privilege i have as an american woman as someone who graduated from university and i think how lucky am i that i had that um privilege in life and these women do not but if you can level the playing field a little bit and help these women help themselves and help their community, I think that's incredibly rewarding. And I always think back to what if it was me who was born in Islam in India, and who was a single mother, and there was an American woman that had this idea, and could offer me a job, wouldn't I want her to do that? So I always try and put myself in their shoes and think about, do I really want to give up? Because when I'm working for this I'm actually working for them and in that same um, in that same idea I have a huge fear of public speaking and I get so nervous and I black out and I can't eat before and it's so traumatic for me um, and I was only finally able to overcome it when I realized that when I go up on stage I'm not speaking for myself I'm speaking for these women that don't have the opportunity or ability to be there and speak about their stories so realizing that this is so much bigger than just me uh is really what keeps me going
0: wow there's a lot there's a lot in that and so much wisdom learned from that and one of the things you mentioned about imagining yourself in their shoes like you could have been born in a similar situation reminds me of the uh, philosophy by john rawls the veil of ignorance are you familiar with that yeah oh like uh, philosophy, and it's I think if more people thought that way, we'd probably have more people using their privilege to help more people versus to help themselves. And I think that's it's such a gift that you recognize that privilege and you're using it in a way that to help them versus you know take it and do something that's more self interested. And um, so there's like power in that, and there's the power and you mean know, you conquered a fear through channeling this. Um, bigger purpose beyond yourself. Um, That certainly, uh, I imagine, rings true for a lot of people working on any sort of problem that they care so deeply about, not because it's affected them personally in a way that they've experienced it, but they have that empathy towards the other people whose lives they've been exposed to.
1: Right. I also do want to just say that I think it's actually really selfish of me that I get to do this work every day. So sometimes people say, Oh, how amazing that you have this job and you help other people. Um, and I, I actually think that if I was really that selfless, I would be working a job that I hated trying to support my family. Um, I realized that so many people don't have the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to go without a salary for two years and lean on my parents or my significant other or my siblings um, and try and get this idea off the ground. Like, that's not the reality for so many people. Um, So I realize that I'm actually incredibly lucky to have that, Mm -hmm. um, have that room and that space because I think about, someone who's like a single mother with three kids and has to work two jobs and she might have have an idea like this but maybe she doesn't have the freedom or ability to pursue it um and so I always have to just like take a step back and recognize my privilege to actually do something like this as well
0: let's say incredibly healthy perspective um was there a time growing up that were you was there? Did you have these motivations when you were growing up as, you know, a, a young kid or a teenager where um, you wanted to help in certain ways, or do you sense that there's, this is somewhat related or an extension to how you were growing up as a child?
1: Yeah, um, gosh, growing up as a kid, I was like painfully shy, very introverted, um, like, I, I was bullied so much that I had to switch classes, and I was just, I think I, I have blacked out a lot of my childhood, to be honest, it was, it was pretty depressing, and um, when I was uh, 19, my, um, my mom had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and I felt really depressed, and I saw Slumdog Millionaire the movie Mm. and i'm really spontaneous so i decided to book a trip to india and before that i think i could be characterized as like i was kind of nerdy but i also really liked fashion and malls and boys and i just was like a very typical kid um and i spent four months in india and when i was 19 it was completely transformative experience because um I was living in an orphanage of 130 girls, they were, uh, a lot of them were born and then shortly thereafter abandoned or left in trash cans just because they were girls and they required dowries and their parents couldn't afford to have girls. Um, But luckily for them, they were taken in by this amazing orphanage that was run by Parsis or Zoroastrians. and i worked there kind of teaching english and helping out the restaurant and i became very close with this one girl she was 10 um, i was the first foreigner she'd ever met and she used to insist that i braid her hair every day and like read her palm and so every morning it would be like a different palm reading because obviously i don't know how to read palms so i just totally lie and be like you're gonna be a firefighter or you're gonna have five kids or you'll be a teacher you'll be a doctor like every day was something different Um, and she loved hearing that because I was the first person in her life that was telling her that she could be whatever she wanted Mm. her backstory is that um, when she was seven uh, she was the daughter of a prostitute and like the town drunk and when she was seven her mother lit herself on fire in front of her um, and committed suicide because she found out that, um, her father had like many affairs and multiple wives. And, uh, this girl was given to her grandmother who basically prostituted her every day for the last three years of her life. Um, and she was tied to a mattress and different men in the village would rape her. And, um, one man took pity on her and helped her get to Mumbai, which is where I met her. Um. So we became very close and we had this um, like older sister, younger sister relationship. And uh, I remember I came back to the US. It was around when Facebook just came out and I was telling her, oh, I'm gonna help you make a Facebook. And she'd never had chocolate before. So I was making a care package for her. And I got a call that uh, she had died of AIDS. Um, mm-hmm. She was sick the entire time. And I think her story Um, really just like knocked me off my feet because it goes against all of our Judeo-Christian logic you know oh good you know hard work breeds success do on to others and and the way we rationalize our lives you know here is this girl um, and she was really no different than me as a child but she was so unlucky Um, and you can't say oh she had this terrible childhood and now she's the president of India, like, no, now she's dead. Um, And I think that put me on this path of realizing, like, there are so many problems in the world. Like, what am I doing to help people like her or people in situations like that? Um, And that's why I moved to Thailand to work with victims of child sex trafficking. But that also, I guess, brought me to where I am today, too. Um, Like, just knowing her story and seeing that life is so unfair know why would I try and make more money um, or make a career around like looking hot um, when the world is so broken and people like that exist like millions or billions of people's life is like that Um, so I just feel like that cemented my obligation to try and do something more with my life Wow.
0: (laughs) so you're like the epitome of purpose-driven. Um, I think what or what someone might call like purpose-driven. You have this like higher-level purpose in what you're doing, and find that higher-level purpose in what you're doing. And uh, I wonder if you've given any thought to the legacy you want to leave as you as you look towards the end of your life, and if you were to look back over the course of your life and see everything that you've done for the world what what do you want what do you want people to say about you or say about the impact that you made in the world
1: yeah wow that's an amazing question and my legacy is something i actually think about all the time because i am i think my biggest motivator is my fear of death I'm so afraid of death. As a child, I, I couldn't go to sleep at night because I was afraid I was gonna die. The people I loved were gonna die. And uh, that has been impetus to not waste time um, because you know life is short, like what you were saying earlier. Um, and who knows how much time I have left on this earth. So I wanna make sure that I'm making the most of every day and opportunity. Um, in terms of how I wanna be remembered, I think in the long run, people are going to forget me, except for the people that are really, really close with me. I don't plan on being a politician anytime soon. Or, I mean, Sundara is a great organization, I think, but it's still re- relatively small, um, and it is a drop in the bucket. If I'm really honest with myself, you know, um, 70 million people in India don't have access to soap. We're only able to reach a few thousand of those people, but hopefully, we grow and get bigger. Um, I think I want to be remembered as someone who pursued their passion, regardless of what um, societal expectations of her were, or what her parents wanted out of her sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there's so much pressure in society to have a good job, to make a lot of money, um, to be in a relationship, to have kids, to follow this very linear path. For better or worse, my life has not looked like that. Um, And sometimes I really envy people whose lives do shape out to be that way, but other times I have to remember how many amazing experiences I've had in this very non-traditional path. Um, And so just to be remembered as that, and hopefully in the process, I can inspire other people to kind of like buck the trend of what you think your life has to be and follow your passion. um, I think that would be a win in and of itself.
0: I think you'll be remembered as that.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> seem to be on a good you. path for that. <laughs> thank you.
0: Um, so a lot of our uh, listeners uh, may be interested in somehow getting involved or supporting Sundara in some way. Are there, are there ways for people to support what you're doing? Um, and if so, how?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, thank you for asking that question, too. Uh, we are a nonprofit, and we do have a really limited budget so of course donating is always so helpful to us our website is Sundara Fund S-U-N-D-A-R-A Fund F-U-N-D dot org but I think we're also looking for people to intern and volunteer with us, to come to the field with us. Um, especially in India, we always have opportunities to work there. Um, so, if you are interested in coming to the field with us and um, writing a story on us, or um, you know, just visiting us on your next trip abroad somewhere, uh, please let me know. And is it okay if I give out my email?
0: Yeah. In fact, we can. Will we can put it in the show notes. So yeah. um, we'll link to the website, and we can include your email and contact information sure. in there, so yeah, that folks and I can reach out to you.
1: For people that come to visit, it would be um, it would just be so great to be able to show them our work. Um, and even if soap recycling and hygiene education isn't a cause that speaks to you, maybe uh, during your travels you'll find something that does. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. And the
1: last thing I want to say is that we're always looking for new board members. Um, or additional board members, I should say. So um, especially if you live in the New York area, because our board is definitely New York-centric, um, we're looking for board members, so please get in touch with me.
0: Well, that's great. We'll make sure to include all of that in the show notes and have a way for people to reach out to you directly and learn more about Sundara and the great work that your organization is doing and that you as an inspiring and and purpose-driven entrepreneur um, are doing and so thank you for sharing your story with us today and we look forward to seeing more great things to come from you and Sundara
1: thank you so much for having me this is such a pleasure to talk with you today
0: all right thanks Erin